This Saturday's matchup between Penn State and Ohio State is no doubt the biggest matchup of Week 8. Some might even call it the biggest matchup of the season so far, as many advanced analytics and many college football fans, analysts, and beat writers have these teams in the top six, top five, top four. Some analytics imply that these are the top two teams in all of college football, or they're even higher than the top four, and perhaps in the top three. So there is a lot at stake in this matchup, and for Penn State and Ohio State, there are different expectations for their seasons, there are different expectations entering this game, but Penn State fans, and I've gotten this from videos where I talk directly about Penn State, where I talk indirectly about Penn State, you know, they're not the topic of the video, but I mentioned them in passing or in comparison. Penn State fans, rightfully so, feel like this is their year. They feel like this is the time where James Franklin breaks out and probably has his best season ever as the head coach at Penn State. The Nittany Lions have the number one defense in the country, according to ESPN efficiency metrics. Their special teams are getting better every week. And the offense, while not being an explosive offense, finds ways to win at the line of scrimmage, utilize their tight ends. They rarely turn over the football with Aller not throwing a single interception yet. And they're overall just an efficient team. They maximize their chances to win with the talent that they've been given. Ohio State, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily do that. College football fans, Ohio State fans, and even Michigan fans, myself included, have really been waiting for the week where Ohio State just clicks into full gear, where the rust falls off, oil is just poured over the gears, and they just roll at full speed. And Ohio State with players like Travion Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr., GT Tuimolau and Emeka Igbuka just are playing with their whole their whole pants and helmets and cleats on absolute fire. Well, that hasn't happened exactly. Quietly, I'll say, however, Ohio State also has an elite defense like Penn State. And Ryan Day is 4-0 against James Franklin. James Franklin has not beaten Ohio State since 2016. He's never beaten Ohio State on the road, and when he beat Ohio State in 16, that was the last time he won a regular season top 10 matchup, with another top 10 win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game coming that same year, and his most recent top 10 win coming last year in the Rose Bowl against Utah. So Ryan Day and James Franklin Different head coaches, there traditionally and historically has been a huge edge for Ohio State to straight out win. Meanwhile, they have not covered in like the past six or seven or eight games against the Nittany Lions. So this series is particularly competitive, albeit one-sided. But Penn State fans ought to be thinking, and rightfully so again, that if Jim Harbaugh and Michigan were able to, you know, turn a corner and they were able to change their trajectory and their place within the Big Ten, why can't Penn State, who has practically the same amount of talent and recruiting rankings, do the exact same thing? So that's what makes this matchup extremely fascinating, and I cannot wait to watch it live. My eyes are going to be glued to the screen. In fact, 
I'm not going live every week for college football games, but for this one in particular, with it being a marquee matchup, I am going to go live and have a watch party for that game. Before we get any further, make sure to subscribe to the channel by clicking that big red button. We're trying to hit 20,000 subscribers by the end of the college football season, and with your help, we can do it. And hit the notification bell as well so you can get notified when I post more Penn State and Ohio State and Big Ten football content. And also, if you're not going to the game in person, or if you want to get my commentary on the game while it's occurring, that notification bell, clicking it and hitting all notifications will allow you to get notified when I am going live for that matchup, and also when I'm going to go live tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, pardon me, for my weekly live show. Lastly, like the video, comment your predictions and analysis and thoughts on this matchup down below. I know that a lot of you have Penn State and also a lot of you have Ohio State by all varying accounts and different scores hitting the over, the under, Ohio State covering, Penn State covering, but maybe not winning, etc. Tell me everything you want to say down below and check out my Patreon channel via the link in the description because Potential Power has an interesting perspective on this matchup and also the rest of the Big Ten and the college football landscape. Um, and we'll get to that in a few minutes when we you know, preview the spread, potential powers prediction, and also your votes in the community section where I ask you weekly, who do you think is going to win in this matchup, you know, X team versus Y team. And this was the first post that I made, and it was very close. Uh, before I want to talk about that, though, I do want to say that Penn State, they're the more efficient team. I think Penn State, it's safe to assume that they have better utilized their talent despite having less returning production than Ohio State and also having less talent overall. However, I'm genuinely surprised at how many people I've seen on Penn State, how they've picked Penn State to straight out win. It's very interesting. And I want to start with that because it gives perspective through a certain lens as to the excitement and the hype surrounding Penn State, and more specifically surrounding Drew Aller. If you watch Penn State, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've watched them against West Virginia, I've watched them against Illinois, I've watched them against Iowa, and I've watched them against Northwestern, and I've watched them against UMass. I mean, I, I, I've watched Penn State football, not as closely as I have Ohio State, Michigan, and I got to be honest, it's really those three teams are the ones that I'm currently paying the most attention to. Being a Michigan fan, it's it would be heresy for me to not watch every one of my own team's games. I mean, I, my eyes are glued to the screen. So I have to admit that, but I've watched a lot of Penn State football, more than most people have. And I got to say that I haven't noticed any remarkable improvement compared to where they were last year. Now, that's not saying that they're going to lose this game because Ohio State has objectively gotten worse compared to where they were last year. Ohio State last year was dominant on offense. They could run the ball a lot better. They had better guard play. They had amazing pass protection, which is like a foreign concept now for Ohio State. 
their wide receiver core, just as elite. They had Cade Stover. Most importantly, they had a quarterback with much better accuracy, much better arm strength, and a quarterback with more experience in C.J. Stroud. And I think they had a more confident Ryan Day. Ryan Day, this season, and it's a conclusion that I came to just yesterday or two days ago, him moving away from his 2021 style of offense, I think is partially led to this point where the offense is somewhat hit and miss, or at least it has been against Notre Dame and Maryland. The offense was never the problem, even when it was only held to 27 points against Michigan in 21 and 23 and 22. The defense was the problem, letting Michigan go on light, uh, long drives, letting them get big plays in 22. That was the problem. Ryan Day, even though there were some changes that need to be made on offense, they were very minor, for some reason I feel like has forced this concept of being physically tough to an offensive roster that, while I'm not doubting their physical toughness, they're much more apt to play finesse finesse ball, if I'm being honest. They are much more apt to beat you in a track meet than beat you in tug of war. And you need to play to that strength. I mean, Ohio State has fast running backs. They have wide receivers with elite speed and elite hands. Cade Stover is one of the better receiving tight ends in the nation right now. And even the offensive line, they're more, they're better at pass block than they are at run block. I think that's a, a pretty indisputed, indisputable fact. And you look at Kyle McCord, he's one of the more you know, extreme pro-style quarterbacks in all of America, where he has almost no mobility. None of those factors help or play strength to a dominant physical run game. So Ohio State, I think, more so than I have recently, and I've talked about this all year, I think they have an identity crisis. Penn State does not have an identity crisis whatsoever. They like to kill you by a thousand paper cuts with a thousand razor blades and then pour rubbing alcohol as you scream in pain and they take away the game from you. That's what Penn State does. And defensively, they force turnovers, they get after the quarterback, they're much better at stopping the run. To go back to my original point where I said that Penn State, I don't think that they're remarkably better than they are last year, is because offensively, the numbers speak to an offense that has a lot less explosive play, and the run game isn't as successful, despite facing pretty similar competition. Six games through last season, Penn State played Michigan. Now, they played a bad Auburn team on the road. They also played a good Purdue Purdue team on the road. They played a tougher schedule through six games than they did this year, and I think that's where some of the numerical improvements for Penn State are shown is in their easier schedule through six games this season. And I don't want to ramble on about this, and I don't think I am, but Penn State, I'm surprised again at how many people are picking them against a team with a bigger brand, a team that is as a massive home field advantage, a team that has beaten them and last year and in 2020 broke a two-by-four over their head, essentially. It's surprising. 
because typically the media in this situation would, even if Ohio State has holes, they would fall head over heels for them. Look at when Michigan last year traveled to Columbus or when Ohio State traveled to Ann Arbor in 2021, and there were some issues for the Buckeyes. So it's it's fascinating to me, but that's just an outside view, and that's just viewing things from the media and putting in my quick perspective. Overall, Penn State is a great near-elite, elite football team. I'd say they're about the same on average or slightly better than they were last year. And defensively, it's no doubt they're better. Offensively, I'd say they've taken a slight step back. Ohio State, I think right now, you can't really argue that they're the same team as last year. I I find that hard to believe. Potential power disagrees with me to a certain degree. Potential power loves Ohio State right now. They're second in the country. Penn State, though, they were top 10. I think they were 10th or 11th or 12th last week in potential power. They shot up primarily because Texas keeps falling. Alabama isn't impressing. So teams fell. And also Penn State had another great game against UMass, another game where they were efficient. And it was more so their you know special teams and defense. Their offense just did their job. But Drew Aller has yet to throw an interception. Penn State's 6-0. Ohio State's also 6-0. And these are, in my mind, they're two top six teams. And potential power would agree with me. In fact, myself and potential power, or at least potential power, think that Ohio State and Penn State are underrated in national rankings. Ohio State's third. Penn State's seventh. And potential power, my own power rankings model, has them put one spot higher than they are in the major polls. Vegas is favoring Ohio State by four and a half points. Potential powers prediction, this is factoring in home field advantage, is Ohio State wins by about two touchdowns, 15 points. I mean, that's potential power to a large degree is going opposite of what most people are thinking. Most people are thinking Penn State or Ohio State win in a close game. And the majority of people right now are actually picking Penn State on the money line, um, which is something that at the beginning of the week I didn't expect. But overall, five experts on Action Network have suggested to pick Penn State's spread. Penn State right now holds 71% of the bets when it comes to who covers the spread. The under is a very popular pick. Penn State and Ohio State money line right now is about 50-50, with Penn State having plus 162 odds, Ohio State having minus 196 odds. So Penn State, despite being on the road, despite being ranked lower, and despite having a history of losing in this rivalry, a lot of people think that this is Penn State's time to shine. And I see this in the community polls. 48% of you are picking Penn State to win. It's about 1,100 people. And then 1,200 people, 52% of the 2,300 participants, at least when I made this slide and recorded this video, are picking Ohio State. What this tells me, same with Ohio State being given a 63.5% chance to win at home, and same with this Vegas line, is that if Ohio State was traveling to Penn State, Penn State would be favored, straight up. And even though FPI would pick 
Ohio State to win on a neutral field by about, you know, they'd favor him by three or four points. Potential power, conversely, would favor Ohio State to win on a neutral field against Penn State by anywhere from seven to ten points. Many of you, the viewer, I suspect, would pick Penn State to win on a neutral field straight up, or you think that they're the better team on the neutral field. And that's understandable. Penn State, as I've mentioned earlier, I think is the more efficient football team for now. From what we have seen through six games, Penn State is better at utilizing their talent than Ohio State, and I think their identity is put together. Now, the con to that, those things are pro for Penn State. The con to that is Ohio State has untapped upside. I think Penn State's very close to hitting their ceiling, which against a Washington or Oregon or a Michigan, three teams that you look at most offensive metrics, they're well ahead of Penn State. You look at ESPN's efficiency metrics, they're more efficient than Penn State. And I'd argue, you, you look at how they play, because I've watched a, a great amount of Washington and Oregon football. Those three teams, I would say, are better, and possibly significantly better than Penn State right now. Maybe I'm wrong there. Penn State will probably not play Oregon or Washington um, they're definitely going to play Michigan, though, but it will be at home, which is helpful for Penn State. But the Nittany Lions, I don't think, have the highest ceiling in all of college football. In fact, I don't think they have probably a top five ceiling in all of college football. Their strength right now is their efficiency and the, the elite level of defense they're playing. But through six games, what we've seen from Aller, what we've seen from the wide receiver core, and what we've seen from the offensive line and and run game, the rush offense. The rush offense, I think, is the only area which could dramatically improve. That's the only area, and that will be hard to do against an Ohio State front four and front six that is among the nation's best. Same with Michigan. But college football isn't about who has the highest ceiling, because if that's the case, then power rankings would you know, decide who wins the national title or who wins every game. That's not how things work. Preseason rankings, on-paper statistics, team talent composites, sometimes it doesn't determine anything. And Ohio State, we don't know if they will ever hit their ceiling. Maybe their ceiling is a myth, and they've already hit it, at which case I would say, good luck. But they're favored to win by Vegas, by potential power, by ESPN's FPI, Slight favorites by my audience and by other audiences, and when it comes to betting, I would say a lot of people are looking at Penn State, and they like what they see. Penn State right now is the better ground attack. Penn State has a more level passing attack. Ohio State's is either very slow starting, but then you have you know Marvin Harrison Jr., you have Cade Stover, and you have explosive playmakers, but then you have in an inferior pass protection compared to what Penn State offers on their offensive line with Olu Fashanu. Also, Drew Aller, again, hasn't thrown an interception yet. So potential powers prediction is Ohio State minus 15, which is, you know, I would say almost an extreme because Ohio State last year won by 13. I'd say that Ohio State last year had a wider advantage over Penn State even factoring in playing on the road than these teams do this year than Ohio State has over Penn State by power rankings and by eye test, by
By eye test, these teams are pretty darn close. That's why last week I had Penn State at 6 and Ohio State at 5. And it, it's just fascinating to me. I mean, tell me again your predictions down below um, and why you think a lot of people are picking Penn State because I think it's interesting. Um, and part of the reason I think it's interesting, as you can see, is I think Ohio State has a lot of significant advantages. Now, again, like I talked about with Oregon and Washington, where Washington, in my mind, had an eight-position per, eight personnel advantage. Oregon only had two. I explained that for a lot of Washington's advantages, there was an argument for Oregon to have an advantage there. But for Oregon's advantages, they, they were pretty far ahead of what the Huskies had. It's somewhat similar for Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, Penn State could have the better tight end room, and I, in fact, I think they have the deeper tight end room. The problem is Cade Stover is one of the best tight ends in college football right now. I think that Ohio State, this is going to be shocking to plenty of you, I think they overall have the better offensive line. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think there's a stronger argument for Penn State right now to have the better performing O-line than Ohio State. So I'm not going to pretend like there's this mountain of evidence to support that opinion. But Ohio State has played the better overall strength of schedule. Ohio State typically has a harder time exhausting opposing defenses because they play more competent teams who can move the football and give Ohio State's opponents' defenses rest, if that makes sense. Penn State, for example, played Illinois and Iowa, teams that have you know, atrocious offenses. They were able to break those defenses wide open within two to three quarters because Iowa punted or turned the ball over every play or every drive, and Illinois was throwing interceptions, not capitalizing on opportunities. Meanwhile, Maryland played an efficient game against Ohio State. Notre Dame played an A-plus game. I think Ohio State has faced better offenses, which allowed their defenses to rest. And they've played overall similar defense. I mean, Indiana has an average, above-average good defense. Their offense is terrible. Notre Dame has a great near-elite, maybe elite defense on a good day. Maryland has a serviceable defense. Purdue has a great defense in terms of sack rate and pressure rate when it comes to secondary play and run stoppage, not so much. That's where I think the argument goes in Ohio State's favor. But power rating-wise, these O-lines are very close. That's where my position advantages are actually based off of, is power ratings. Um, it's very close, though. Penn State, I think, is much better at tackle. I think Ohio State is still significantly better at guard. The problem, again, is Ohio State circling back to the lack of efficiency and identity crisis. They're still trying to run you know, outside zone and stretch. And it has clearly not been working with the tackles that they have. Um, it's, it's very uncommon to see Ohio State run through the interior of their line. And Matthew Jones has been playing well. Um, Donovan Jackson, I can't say so much. But there's an argument for Penn State, a stronger one, to have a better offensive line. So if you want to rip me for that in the comment section below especially if Penn State ends up looking like the more physical team on Saturday, go ahead. But I think Ohio State is the better O-line. I think there's a stronger argument for this. They have the better defensive line. Penn State has the much better edge players. Ohio State has the 
even better by a larger margin tackle room. Ohio State only has 10 sacks. Penn State, meanwhile, has 27. Then again, Penn State, going back to strength of schedule, hasn't played an even great offensive line all year. Iowa's is probably good, maybe great, but I think good is a better descriptive word for them. Notre Dame's offensive line is elite, and Ohio State was able to get pressure at times on them. Maryland has a better offensive line than Iowa. Purdue, without injuries, has a serviceable offensive line, but they had some injuries against Ohio State, so I really won't count that. And the nature of Penn State's defense is to be more aggressive than the nature of Ohio State's defense. Ohio State has allowed less big plays. Um, Conversely, they've gotten less pressure on the opposing quarterback, and they've had less highlight reel moments. Penn State has one pick six. They have seven interceptions and 17 passes defended. Ohio State has two pick sixes, five interceptions, 27 passes defended, and they only have four forced fumbles. Meanwhile, Penn State defensively has six. I like Michael Hall. I love Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton. I think that's one of the deepest defensive tackle rooms in the country. GT Tuimoalau and Jack Sawyer are great elite players. I would say more so great. They haven't had breakout seasons, but Tuimoalau is a pass deflected three sacks. Sawyer's had one and a half sacks, also a pass deflected. Michael Hall Jr.'s had one and a half sacks too. And then Mitchell Melton, Tommy Eichenberg, Tyleek Williams, and Hiro Kanu have also had one sack each. Penn State at defensive end, I think is, you know, I think it's obvious they're better at defensive end than Ohio State. Adisa Isaac, five sacks. Chop Robinson, three. Zariah Fisher, two and a half. Um, Amin Vanover, one and a half. Donnie Dennis Sutton, one and a half. Uh, Jamil Lyons, one. Those are all defensive ends who I named. Defensive tackle, Koziah Izard, Zane Durant, two and a half, and two. Their defensive tackles know how to get to the quarterback, but in watching West Virginia, watching Illinois, and even watching Northwestern at times, I have questions about how they'll face up against what will be the best rushing attack they've faced all year. And that's that speaks, much like to Michigan and their weak strength of schedule, that speaks to Penn State's strength of schedule. Ohio State does not have a great rushing attack, and that will be by far, with especially with Henderson, that will be the best rushing attack that Penn State's defense has faced all season long. I give Ohio State the edge at defensive line. For linebacker, um, preseason, I would have said Ohio State is favored here. Right now, I think Penn State has an edge. And this one, while you could debate it, I'm very hard-pressed in my mind to say that Ohio State right now is the better linebacker core. They have Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, and they're doing well, but Penn State's depth there is nuts. I mean, whether it's Curtis Jacobs, who has a sack and 23 total tackles and two fumble recoveries, Kobe King has a sack, three passes. No, he doesn't have a pass deflected, but a fumble recovery. I was looking at Dominic DeLuca. One sack, three passes deflected, an interception returned for six, two forced fumbles. Abdul Carter with an interception, a pass deflected, a sack, and 15 total tackles. This linebacker core is its one of the deepest in all of college football, truthfully. And I, I, I have a comment 
I have a guy who consistently comments on this channel telling me about how I don't mention Curtis Jacobs. And it's not that I think he's a bad player. He's a great elite, near elite player. But that line or that linebacker core is so deep that it's hard to keep track of all of those names. And Ohio State doesn't have that same depth. They have Steel Chambers and they have Tommy Eichenberg and and Cody Simon's a step below those guys. Um, They don't have the same depth. When it comes to two individual linebackers, maybe there could be a comparison, but Penn State's just so much deeper at linebacker. And at defensive back, this is another one where Penn State has an argument to be better, but Ohio State has 10 more pass deflections. Ohio State only has one le- two less interceptions. And Josh Proctor, free safety, Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock, the corners, and Davison Igbenosen, Lathan Ransom, Cameron Martinez, this secondary has had themselves quite the year. They really have. And I think this is another instance where you look at stats like defensive passer rating allowed or passing yards allowed, and you'd pick Penn State, similarly to offensive line. But again, going back to strength of schedule and the fact that Ohio State has played Sam Hartman, Talia Tagovailoa, Hudson Card, Austin Reed, Penn State's best quarterback that they've faced all season is Garrett Green. And part of what makes Garrett Green an above-average quarterback is the fact that he can run. As a passer, he's pretty questionable. There's an argument that Ohio State has faced four quarterbacks that are better passers than Garrett Green. That's crazy. And they held Hudson Card to under five yards per pass attempt. They're allowing under a 100 passer rating per game, the secondary is. And Denzel Burke, Josh Proctor, Cameron Martinez, Lathan Ransom, there are veterans on the secondary in the same way that Penn State has veterans in Kobe King or Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Keaton Ellis, just so many good players all around. These defenses are elite, and if someone said that Penn State has the advantage everywhere on defense, wouldn't really argue with that. Same with offensive line. Here's where I think Ohio State holds a distinct advantage. I think at staff, Ryan Day has proven that he's better in big games than James Franklin. I think that Jim Knowles right now is the better defensive coordinator than Manny Diaz. I think that Ryan Day and Brian Hartline make up a better offensive staff and play caller duo compared to Mike Yersich. Offensively, I think Ohio State still takes the cake by quite a wide margin. With Henderson back, they'll have the better running back room. Henderson has gone back to more of his 2021 self. Meanwhile, Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen have not had as successful as a rushing attack as they did in 2022. Penn State right now has 17 rushing touchdowns and they're averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And last year, they averaged 4.8 yards per carry, 28 rushing touchdowns. And that was with, you know, they faced Those include games against Ohio State and Michigan, where their run games were practically shut down. But Penn State is running for over 200 yards per game. Catron Allen right now looks like their most reliable option at running back. Singleton, much like Donovan Edwards at Michigan, has yet to find his niche. Both are known as speed and space backs who get big plays, and neither have gotten a single big play yet this season. So... Singleton is a player to look out for, even though he isn't my main player to watch out for. 
in this football matchup. At quarterback, I think that Ohio State has a significant advantage. Drew Aller right now has not thrown an interception. He has 12 passing touchdowns, but he's averaging only 6.9 yards per pass attempt. He has 1,254 passing yards. He has a 145.3 passer rating, and he has a a 74.6 quarterback efficiency rating, which is 26th nationally. On the ground, he also has 79 rushing yards for three rushing touchdowns, averaging 2.3 yards per carry. You look at Ohio State and Kyle McCord. McCord is 1,651 passing yards. He's averaging 9.7 yards per pass attempt, 11 passing touchdowns, only one interception, a 165.9 passer rating, and he has an 87.2 quarterback efficiency rating, which is sixth nationally. So I think Ohio State is the edge at quarterback. Devin Brown has also gotten into some running packages, so we might see two quarterbacks for Ohio State in this game. At wide receiver, we don't need to debate about this. Marvin Harrison Jr. is averaging nearly 20 yards per reception with 604 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. Penn State's Keandre Lambert-Smith has 402 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. He's averaging 13 yards per reception. He had a big game against West Virginia, good performances against Iowa, Delaware, and Northwestern. He was pretty quiet against Illinois. Against UMass, he had six receptions, but for only 30 yards. So not an eye-popping stat, but he is certainly Drew Aller's favorite target. He has 31 receptions, and the next closest are Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren with 16. So, Keandre Lambert-Smith's the obvious wide receiver number one for the Nittany Lions. Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. has 31 receptions. Stover is 23. Igbuka has 22. He was held out against Purdue. It sounds like he's going to be healthy enough to play in this game, and Julian Fleming has 16. So, Ohio State... I don't think their advantage is as big as maybe the 8-2 to two number suggests because I think Penn State is close at running back. They're close at tight end. O-line, D-line, defensive back, they're close. If you really think Penn State's the better team, I think you could argue with logic they have a 7-3 to three position advantage at running back, tight end, O-line, D-line, and defensive back. You could make that argument. I think it's indisputable, however— in the same way that it is that Penn State right now is the better special teams unit and the deeper linebacker room, I think you cannot dispute that Ohio State has the better staff, the better quarterback, and also the better wide receiver core. But skill positions and even coaching at times are not the only thing that wins you football games. We've seen this before when Ed Orgeron, for example, went down into Tuscaloosa and beat him. Beat Alabama, forty-six to forty-one, and the score does not even tell you the fact that LSU was dominating by multiple scores, by double digits at halftime, and and that was a crazy game. Um, here are my players to watch for this matchup: Drew Aller for Penn State and Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State. For Drew Aller, don't turn over the football. Do what you have done for the past six games. But tap into more of your upside. Because this Ohio State defense is one of the stickiest, most conservative, but also most disciplined defenses in the country. They don't break down in coverage. They aren't overly aggressive. But we know that in 
we know that in Jim Knowles' mind that he is going to try and create pressure, or maybe if he doesn't believe that Drew Aller can, you know, make big plays, then maybe what he'll try and do is just limit Drew Aller and limit the offense and really hold him to hold him to field goals or let him drive for a short amount of time in between the twenties, but eventually force him to punt. I saw a comment that I agree with that Ohio State's pass rush is more focusing on caging their opponents rather than directly trying to apply pressure. And I think against a quarterback like Aller, who has sometimes been prone to scramble to pick up short gains, I think that will be a good strategy. Also keep in mind for Aller, this is by far his biggest test of his career. Ohio State is one of the toughest places to play at. The horseshoe is loud. Um, and I think that he's going to have to be mentally tough. And that noise, that anxiety, that pressure, that can cause him to make mistakes against a defense that has scored three defensive touchdowns and has almost 30 pass deflections, five interceptions. They forced like nine total turnovers already. Um, Penn State, by the way, has forced almost more than two turnovers per game, which is pretty crazy. But for Drew Aller, I'd say you have to average more than your typical yards per pass attempt. I don't think 6.9 yards per pass attempt will cut it against Ohio State. And if it does, then I think you have to get more involved in the ground game. And maybe maybe you don't at all. Maybe Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton just kill it on the ground, but I don't think so because this is the best defense that Penn State's faced all season. Ohio State will let you run on them in between the 20s. The minute you get in the red zone, you can't run on them anymore. So Penn State's passing attack has to do something that we haven't seen it do all year since that West Virginia game when they really relied on Drew Aller's arm and Lambert Smith and that passing attack to blow out and dominate West Virginia. We have to see that Drew Aller in that passing offense if Penn State wants to win. And for Ohio State, it's a similar formula to last year, I think. Last year, where Ohio State threw big plays in the passing attack and also a momentous defensive performance were able to get a huge lead on Penn State. And after trailing by five points, they beat them by 13. That all happened in the fourth quarter, by the way. Marvin Harrison Jr. went for over 100 receiving yards last year. He has a size advantage on Penn State's defensive backs, and Penn State's defense, they're, last year they were second in the nation in defensive passer efficiency. This year they're first. The problem with Penn State is, is their defense is aggressive, yet their defense does not have the talent, the star power, to match up with Ohio State's offense. They don't. This is what I would infamously call the, down, the Don Brown problem. When you have a defense that is overly aggressive, yet you have a talent disadvantage, an offense that is explosive will be able to pick you apart. And that's what Ohio State did to Penn State last year. Now, it, it took them a full game to get to the point where, and it also took a great defensive effort to where they finally blew open Penn State's defense, but Ohio State didn't have a problem getting down the field against Penn State last year. Their problem was punching it in the red zone. And Ohio State this season... They're not a good red zone team. Penn State, let me give you an encouraging stat for the Nittany Lions. Penn State is 18th 
in red zone conversion percentage for touchdowns and field goals. Penn State converts 92% of their red zone trips into scores. Ohio State only converts 85.71% of their red zone trips into scores. And Penn State has a better chance of scoring touchdowns in the red zone compared to Ohio State based off of you know other numbers as well. So Penn State is the more efficient football team. For Ohio State, you have to compensate for that by getting big plays through the air. Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, first play of the game, 70-yard touchdown pass or reception. That would not be he, that'd not be shocking at all. He's perfectly capable of doing that. Ohio State needs they need plays where they can make scores outside of the red zone to where Penn State's defense is going to be more spread out. They're going to have to cover more of the field. For Ohio State to score touchdowns, I think is more likely outside of the red zone than inside of the red zone in this game, and that's very rare. But I think Penn State's defense is that good. At the same time, I think because of their aggressive nature and Ohio State's advantage of their passing offense, specifically wide receivers against Penn State's defensive backs, I think that means with greater speed, size, acceleration, when the field isn't compressed, it will be hard to keep up with Emeka Igbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover. I'd say the same for Henderson in the run game. Henderson will probably have more success in between the 20s than he will in the red zone. I guarantee it. This Penn State defense, when if Ohio State gets has a slow drive and gets into the red zone and has multiple plays in the red zone, I more than likely would expect field goals. That's my own personal opinion. I think that Manny Diaz will employ a bend-but-don't-break defense at the same time, one that is very aggressive and one that's very calculated. You need a unicorn like Marvin Harrison Jr. to beat that defense, especially with Penn State's massive advantage of their defensive ends versus Ohio State's tackles. I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State has five or six sacks in this game. That wouldn't shock me at all. So those are my players to watch. I think it's Drew Aller for Penn State and just him having more accuracy, having more power, hitting his stride, um, quieting the crowd, and making plays. And for Marvin Harrison Jr., it's getting the crowd pumped up. It's burning that defense in that secondary. It's also blocking. Ohio State, again, loves to run stretch. Part of outside runs is your wide receivers need to block. So block like you did against Notre Dame when Henderson had that 61-yard touchdown run, and that will help Ohio State's rushing attack. My prediction for this game is Ohio State 30, Penn State 17. That implies a lot of field goals, but that implies three field goals for the Buckeyes and only one for Penn State. And I think that boils down to red zone efficiency. I think that when Penn State is able to get in rhythm and they're able to get in the red zone, they're either going to score a touchdown or maybe fail a fourth down. I don't think field goals are going to be much of an option in the red zone for James Franklin, especially given that this team is pretty, you know, articulate and efficient. I don't know why I said articulate, but they're pretty efficient and they know how to get those short gains and set them up in position to convert a fourth down or be aggressive on offense. I think Penn State, though, will only have 120 yard or more pass, and they'll be held to short gains on the ground and through the air for the rest of the game. They will not be explosive, and that's a big part of the reason why I think Ohio State wins this football game. 
The Nittany Lions will be efficient, though, when they are in the red zone. Outside of my score prediction, I have no clue who's going to have the lead at halftime, who will take the lead first, and I don't know any of that because I think both of these teams start out slow. Penn State's offense typically takes a half to get going. Ohio State's offense is similar. The difference here is Penn State's defense typically starts out faster. Meanwhile, Ohio State's, I'd say, starts out slower, but with their talent and also with their style, I think Penn State's defense has a comparative advantage, Ohio State's defense, rather, has a comparative advantage over Penn State's defense at the end of the game. They have better talent, better depth. Um, With their more explosive offense, they typically get less fatigued at the end of the game. They're less relied upon. There's less pressure on them, and I think they have the better defensive mind. Um... But that's just my opinion. The Buckeyes will have three or more 30-yard pass plays and 340-plus yards. For Penn State, it's harder to calculate yards because they have a good—they do such an excellent job of getting a short field. I suspect for Penn State, there will be a lot of empty yards that are in their favor, whether it's punt returns, kickoff returns, or a forced fumble or an interception. I think that Penn State will have one or two drives that— potentially start in Ohio State territory or start at, you know, the Penn State 35, 40, 45, giving them that extra 10, 15, 20 yards of field position in their favor, making it easier on their offense. Ohio State's defense, though, they're not to toy around with either. Um, I think that they will force multiple punts, and they'll also force Drew Aller's first interception. I think that Ohio State will have a turnover or two that they force, for Penn State, I it's safe to assume they're force they're forcing a turnover no matter what. I'd say one, two, maybe even three. The problem with Penn State is even if they win the turnover battle, and even though overall they're the more efficient team, Ohio State's at home, and Penn State's offense, they're they're lethargic. They they are lethargic for the backfield they have, for the tight end room they have, and for everyone who you know said that Drew Aller was going to be the Big Ten's best quarterback this season. He has a 145 passer rating, and he has a QBR that's outside of the top 25. I had him as a top 25 quarterback entering this year and the Big Ten's third best quarterback. And that was with him playing competition. He hasn't played any competition yet, and he's statistically worse than I projected him to be. I mean, there's a chance that Drew Aller goes from looking like a good quarterback to a you have a really high ceiling, but also a really low floor type of quarterback. And we haven't seen, we've seen Aller's ceiling. I don't know if we've seen his floor yet. Um, We've seen McCarthy's floor, even with him playing a tough strength of schedule. But we have not seen Drew Aller's um, floor. We haven't. Um, Not a big enough sample size, not a tough enough schedule. McCarthy, back to that comparison, started all of last year and had some bad and great games. For Penn State, there's a lot of unknowns here. That's why I'm more comfortable predicting yards, big plays, the amount of turnovers Ohio State's defense defense forces. Ohio State's a more familiar football team. Penn State's more of the unknown. And I think a lot of people like the unknown. I think that's part of the reason why people are picking them to win. But I can't ignore the James Franklin factor. I can't ignore the fact that Ryan Day right now is the winningest coach in top 25 matchups. It's in the shoe. Ohio State, I think, is decisively better on offense. And on defense, 
here's a load of this. I think Ohio State is the better defense. Again, circle back to strength of schedule. They've played much tougher offenses. And if this was on the road at Beaver Stadium, I'm not going to lie, I'd, I'd be inclined to pick Penn State to win if this was on the road. Ohio State, we saw it against Notre Dame, and I think Penn State's much better than Notre Dame. Um, Ohio State, I think in a road environment against a great defense with McCord and the offensive line, uh, all those things factoring in Ohio State on the road this year is not going, it's going to be rough on the road when they play, you know, a legitimate opponent. And there aren't many of those on their schedule on the road outside of Michigan and Notre Dame and maybe Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin hasn't looked very impressive for Penn State. They're great in Beaver Stadium. That's part of the reason why they were able to play Ohio State competitively and close last season. And really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing here because there's there's so much unknown for Penn State that you could say I'm totally wrong and I can't refute you. But at the same time, we'll, we will learn so much on Saturday is all I'm trying to say, really, about these two teams. I think we know more about Ohio State right now than we do about Penn State. We could learn that Penn State is a very overrated football team on Saturday that's just puffed up by numbers and a defense that's uber-aggressive and plays on the week, preys on the weak. Or we could learn that they're a legitimate national title contender and they're the best team in the Big Ten. I mean, that's the range of outcomes for Penn State. I think that right now... They're one of the most mysterious teams that are in the top 10. So I'm excited for this matchup. 30-17 to 17 is my prediction for this game. And thank you so much for sponsoring this video. To my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst and Noah DDLC, my All-Americans, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Please check out my Patreon page via the link in the description. And depending on your tier, you will get access to insider content. Thank you so much for watching this video, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.